we can apply our theory, so yin and yang, right? You can see the climate crisis in some ways as deficient heat, right? We've been plundering the yin and jing of the planet. Mm-hmm. And so we have a situation of deficient heat. We also see yin and yang are starting to separate, right? Our planet is no longer in homeostasis. Yin and yang is starting to come apart. So we think about that with our patients. We can think about the planet in that way. Super useful lens. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. Years ago, I worked in high tech. My job was to help people solve problems that they couldn't solve by themselves using a technology that they didn't understand. Today, my job is exactly the same. I help people solve problems that they cannot solve on their own using a technology they don't understand. It's just that instead of working with computer and business systems, I'm working with the human body and spirit. When I look back on the arc of years and paths that I followed, I can see that nothing gets left behind. It might seem that way in any given moment when making a decision results in following a new course or letting go of what has been supportive. However, when looking back through time, it's obvious how the issues that had me dropping out of college are as alive in me now is when I realized that the program I was in was not going to get me to where I really wanted to go. That knack for choosing my own path over the -the off-the-shelf program that was, air quotes here, good enough for everyone else, is, if anything, more alive and vibrant in my 60s as it was when I clocked into my 20s. That aspect of Jing essence that was not afraid to strike off on a trail that might not work has been a reliable catalyst that seems to show up whenever I'm considering a change that holds the potential of a big upside, but also carries the possibility of being wrong in unforeseeable and likely painful ways. Change is a curious thing. There are those severing moments, gateways, that swing a door open, and once walked through, it disappears. There is no way back. And at the same time, life paths are as circular as seasons. It's not unusual to find ourselves coming back to a set of circumstances or difficulties that seem oddly familiar. And it's not because of failure, but that Another turn on the spiral of growth and change has taken place. This is not to say there are not issues, perhaps deeply rooted and a reliable source of suffering. And you'll meet these themes time and again if they have any kind of gravity that your fears, biases, and previous solutions tend to orbit around. There are things that perhaps we noodle on for an entire lifetime. And with each spiral of growth, a little more is revealed about who we are in relationship to those issues. And then there are the lessons and skills we've acquired along the way. Well-crafted solutions tend to become part of our toolbox. And for those problems in life that sort of rhyme with one another, we might already have skills and perspectives that can be readily applied. I didn't know that my knack in high school 
for independent study, what caused me so much trouble in college, and then turn out to be a vital part of learning from clinical experience. It has taken years to realize that the out-of-left-field ideas that easily spring to mind for me and were not valued in the technical world of procedure and protocol were not something that was wrong with me, but rather a resource better suited to being agilely self-employed. Nothing gets left behind. The accumulation of life experience seasons us in ways that are both surprising and oddly familiar. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. 
Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app/switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. One of the turning points in my first run of college was reading the dire warnings from the Club of Rome in their book, The Limits to Growth. Their new-at-the-time computer models showed that humanity was on a crash course with disaster, and moreover, it was already too late. College is great because it holds the potential of smashing your ideas of the world along with the assumptions and beliefs that got us through childhood and adolescence. Being exposed to other ways of thinking and other belief systems can be as disorienting as it is exciting. Having to sit with the discomfort of finding the world does not work the way you were told it does and having to build the fortitude to know and stand up for your own perspective, it is indeed a tempering process that if it doesn't rattle you to your bones, then you've likely wasted the opportunity that college offers. Finding out about how us humans were sowing the seeds of our destruction made me nihilistic and angry. It would take me decades to work it out that troubles are also opportunities and a shot at genuine creativity. Because the troubles we have are so often the unintended consequences of the good intentions of our predecessors. How we are in this world and the good intentions we have for what we leave to our children, they're often full of blind spots that will not affect us, but certainly will affect them. In this conversation with Nishanga Bliss, we discuss climate change, medicine, and electronic activism. As with so many of the troubles that arise from complex, interconnected systems, it is impossible to map one-to-one correspondences. A seemingly small input can have dramatic systemic effects. Not so unlike a well-placed acupuncture needle. Let's get into this conversation with Nishanga on one of the biggest challenges of our time. Nishanga Bliss, welcome to Geological. Thank you so much. We are tackling just a small topic today, climate change. So we were introduced by a, a former guest of the podcast, Dennis, and he said, you should talk to Nishanga about Chinese medicine and climate change. And I thought, all right, Chinese medicine does a lot. I don't even know where to begin talking about climate change. So I'm really delighted to have you here. I'm curious to see what you're seeing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's only a small topic. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but I think 
there's so much to say about it, but just starting with like our lens, our lens are really, we, when we train in this medicine, right? Mm. We learn to look through multiple lenses. Is it yin or yang? Is it five element? Is it eight entity, 12 channel? So those lenses where we can look at condition with the patient and consider it from multiple angles, that perspective is so essential for the times we're living in. We can use those lenses to look at something huge like climate change, and we have a better chance of making our way through that, getting a perspective on it than a lot of people. We can apply our theory, so yin and yang, right? You can see the climate crisis in some ways as deficient heat, right? We've been plundering the yin and jing of the mm. planet. Mm-hmm. And so we have a situation of deficient heat. We also see yin and yang are starting to separate, right? Our planet is no longer in homeostasis. Yin and yang is starting to come apart. So we think about that with our patients. We can think about the planet in that way. Super useful lens. We can think about five elements. We can think about jing. We can see oil as the jing of the planet. I got a lot of ideas from Brendan Kelly. He wrote The Yin and Yang of Climate Crisis. One of the few people in our field really stepping into this, and definitely maybe someone you should meet. But he wrote about, yeah, you can see oil as the jing of the planet. We've been extracting it and burning it. So we're disturbing the three treasures, this plundering of the jing. Again, it's going to this argument of kind of deficient heat. So we have a lens to look at the problem, or multiple lenses. And then there are so many things in our medicine that can be part of the solution. Slow medicine. It is slow medicine. Well, sometimes slow medicine, sometimes fast medicine. Right. It's very curious because sometimes our medicine works really, really fast, like miraculously fast. People are blown away. And we are too when we see just how quickly a change can happen. And yet, then there are those slower miracles. Yeah. As a buddy of mine likes to say, that they take time to unfold. And that fast change is quite often accomplished with acupuncture, yeah? I've seen it happen with herbs in an acute situation. Yeah. But generally because it's an acute situation. Right, right. It can be so dramatic. True, true. With acupuncture, I think that it's such an amazing tool for the moment we're living in because it can change consciousness. Mm. rather quickly and we need a change in consciousness so desperately and we can do that so you say that acupuncture changes consciousness and i'm with you on that you can feel something change in the room sometimes with people right or they come out of a treatment and they're kind of like what was that (laughs) yeah it's like, what did you just put into me? <laughs> right. And you and I both know we put nothing into them. We called something out of them. Yeah. And I get it on a like personal level. Right? We're helping people with their health. How does that work on that more global, macro level? Yeah. It's a great thing to ponder, but I see us... We our medicine's founded on the microcosm reflecting the macrocosm. Mm. Yeah, when we read the Neijing, 
we're talking, it's talking about the climate, right? We can translate chi as climate, the six climates. We do talk about that, Liu Jing, or Liu Qi, right? The six chi. Yeah, right? The yeah. six chi. So we can think of chi as climate. And when we, we're used to making these tiny little adjustments, right? Acupuncture, it's this tiny thing. You're sticking a tiny needle in someone's ear. It's an amazing change in consciousness. So this small adjustment affecting a global system. And we're working with the microcosm of the human body. But our theory, our perspective is always connecting that, relating that microcosm to the macrocosm, which is the planet. I mean, the medicine evolved on observing the natural world. Now we can see the natural world in such a big lens, right? In the time of the Neijing, they saw the environment around them. Now we have a global perspective and we can see the imbalances. Yeah. Well, plus, you know, we've got technologies that extend our senses. So we can go and look really small. We can look through a microscope or even an electronic scanning microscope, see aspects of nature we couldn't see before. We can look outwards into the cosmos and see what we couldn't see before. And we can communicate with people around the world or the country. And we can access almost all of human knowledge through our phones. I mean, there's a lot of low quality information, but there's a lot of amazing information. So, Well, I was going to say we can also access human idiocy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let's just call it what it is. I mean, there is knowledge, but we also can access instantly a lot of insanity. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just, it, it, and delusion. <laughs> and delusion. Yeah. But it is an amazing moment of connectivity where mm. the average person can take a global perspective. The average human on the planet can consider what's going on on a global level. That's a pretty new thing in terms of human evolution. True. And I think that gives us an opportunity especially with our medicine the way we can affect consciousness, can we even suggest to patients that that shift in consciousness where they feel more aligned also is connecting them to kind of something about the state of the planetary system? I mean, that's built into our medicine already, but maybe we can move into articulating that. I remember during the Occupy protests, remember the, the movement of the Occupy protests? I forget how long ago. Occupy Wall Street. Yeah. Wasn't that just after the financial meltdown, like 2008, 2009, something like that? Exactly. So that was happening. So I'm here in California. So down in Oakland, there was a really active part of that movement going on. And there were people occupying in front of the uh, city hall in Oakland. And we went and offered ear acupuncture. We did pop-up ear acupuncture clinics there among the protesters who were sitting in. And so we did not a protocol, mm -hmm. right? So, But the whole narrative was anti-capitalism of, of this movement, right? So we kind of framed, we didn't first say it, but then after we got feedback, we framed it as an anti-capitalist treatment. It is not a protocol, you know, it evolves as an anti-addiction treatment, but people will say, I feel so balanced and complete in myself. I don't even, not only do I not want to do drugs or alcohol, I don't want to go shopping, right? So this, like, it was so interesting. So it's like, how are we, you're going to get offered this treatment and we know it creates a shift. It comes out of a certain context, but also how we frame it, the context we do it in creates, you know, a different result. So there was something so beautiful about 
offering that treatment in those settings, in that collective setting, with a different framing about, wow, after this treatment, you don't feel like you need something from the outside to make yourself feel complete. Mm. Don't need something from the outside to make yourself feel complete. So is that really anti-capitalism or is that somehow dealing with like the greed and discomfort of the human heart? Yeah, it's even bigger than anti-capitalism. <laughs> I mean, it's more, it's a, it's a spiritual shift. Mm -hmm. But it's also part of our way out of what's going on with climate, right? We have, we're living in a way that's out of balance with nature. We're taking natural resources and we are using them in a way that's disturbing our environment to an extent. It's, it's throwing it completely out of wax. There's a problem with the way we're living. I mean, this is what the Yellow Emperor in, in Chibo were talking about, right? The Yellow Emperor is like, why do people not live as long as they used to? And Chibo says, oh, well, they used to pay attention to the seasons. Now they're out of balance. They drink wine as if it were water. No wonder they look old at 50 and die soon after. <laughs> I hate that passage being over 50, right? But that basic idea of Chinese medicine is like, what happened? We lost the way of balance. Chinese medicine can offer us a return to the way. Now we've gone so far off balance, but it's the same message that the medicine gives us a glimpse of this balance. This, what does it mean to respect yin? Mm. It does give us, it definitely does give us a glimpse. And like you were saying, from the inside. Yeah. We get this other glimpse from the inside. One of the things that I've noticed, and this is just kind of me living my life, you know, as a human being and muddling through it, which I suspect many of us do, yeah. I have so often found in my own life that I've got something and it's troublesome to me. I want it to be different. I want to change. And, and I rise to that change. And I make changes. And I set my life on a different course. And that solves the problem that's in front of me. But what I didn't realize at that moment is I have just sown the seeds of the next problem that I'm going to face. That I get somewhere down the road, 5, 7, 10, 20 years, depending on the cycle. And the problem that is now in front of me is because of the choice that I made previously. <laughs> that's you know what i mean i, I, I totally understand yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, yeah i look at our world <laughs> it, at the moment it is damn cold in st louis missouri it was seven degrees fahrenheit when i woke up here this morning and but in my home it's springtime right because the thermostat is set to 69 degrees it's springtime it's like a perfect spring day in my home I am so grateful that we have natural gas because I have springtime in my home. I think back 200 years, people didn't have that. I think back to when I lived in Asia, not all that long ago, and people are a little bit more hardy. And so like, oh yeah, it's cold here for a couple months out of the year, but we don't have heat in our homes because they just didn't. Yeah. And so, so many of the problems that we have, you know, the lovely car I get to drive, my house that's set to springtime, my refrigerator full of food, for God's sake, are all wonderful improvements over life 200 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think we got here in this moment with all of the best intentions, 
you know, and I think about my own personal life with all the best intentions, how many times have I run myself into a wall? Now I've got this new problem. So I'm curious, how do we address that the place where we are? It didn't come from malice. I mean, maybe there's some greed in there. But I think generally speaking, humans are trying to make things a little bit better. And we often find ways to make it better and then find that our solutions, oh, brings a new problem. Mm. How do we work with that? How do we work with that? That's a big one. And it's tricky with this because humans have known that this was going to happen for a long time. Have we? How do we know? We have, but there's a female scientist, and I'm forgetting her name, who did an experiment where she demonstrated the greenhouse effect, like something like over 100 years ago. She could see that what we're doing in terms of combustion is going to heat up the atmosphere. So, you know, the science has been there, but it's also been buried, especially the fossil fuel companies were very aware what they were doing was going to, with oil extraction, was going to create a climate crisis, but they buried that information, just like Philip Morris and the cigarette companies buried the information about smoking. We have known, now it's blatantly obvious, now most humans on the planet are affected by it. So it's out there now. But for a long time, the information was known, but really buried. So what do we do? You know, is it just part of being a life on Earth, life on the planet, being a human being that you will always create these imbalances? I think there's an opportunity to just massively shift the way we do everything. Mm. Greta Thunberg is one of my heroes. She says to change everything, we need everyone. Right. We all need to be part of it. So it could be on a, it could be these individual changes around slowing down, slow medicine, slow food, slow fashion, slow travel. Interesting thing about the concentrated fuels, like fossil fuels, they enable us to just extract more energy quicker, do things more quickly. I know. And I have to tell you, I love it. I right. do. It's I wonderful. love it. Yeah. I to be able to get on an airplane 14 hours later, I'm at my favorite night market in Taiwan. Oh man, it's so good. It's so good. I know. And flying's a tough one, Michael, because only a very small percentage of people on the planet do it. Less than I think it's like actually three percent, maybe ten percent of humans fly. And the impact of flying is so outsized, right? The actual, if you look at your personal carbon footprint, flying is like one of the biggest contributors. But no, it's so hard. How do we change, you know? Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of yang, the primal reservoir of yang which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. 
I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do Channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. It is hard because someone like me, I don't want to give up flying. I love it. It's so great. And it's allowed me to live life in some amazing ways. I get it. Not everybody gets to do that. And I wonder sometimes, we were talking before we started rolling tape. We both have teenagers at home. Yeah. Teenagers are so cool. They're just so open to the world and, and they have no problem with asking really bothersome questions. Right. <laughs> so I got this 17-year-old here right now. And the other day we're, we're talking about things and how everything in the world seems to be so incredibly poorly distributed and you know you have wealth concentrated in places and some places are great and some are not and some people have privilege and some have less and and some people have natural talent that others don't have and some people have like wicked amazing intelligences and some people are like very very simple and we're also very different and, and so we're talking about privilege the other day and she goes well remember she's 17 okay she goes well here's what i think if you have privilege, you should make sure you're using it well. <laughs> I think she's right. It's like if you have a leg up, well, damn it, leverage that. Question is, leverage that. how are we leveraging and what are we doing about it? Leverage that and leverage it for on the behalf of good, right? Like leverage it on behalf of good. And that comes to us as practitioners. Mm. That's one reason why I really want to bring this conversation to you our space as practitioners. What do we have as practitioners? People trust us. They actually listen. They want to know what we think they should do. They're asking for our advice. They trust us. And this is an interesting thing in research. And this is one reason why I admire, I know Western doctors who are really are entering the climate conversation. And they're saying, I work with a group called Climate Health Now, they're national, but they're very big in California, and they're all Western providers, mostly doctors, a lot of pediatricians who are really engaging the climate fight. And they're sharing that people actually trust what doctors say more than politicians, <laughs> more than government agencies, you know, more than almost any other entity in society. People do trust medical providers. Actually, they trust nurses more than doctors. Mm -hmm. and, and we're probably closer to nurses or in this research they didn't ask about do you trust your acupuncturist they weren't thinking about us but you know here we are physicians we have this beautiful relationship with our clients they trust us and they're asking us for advice so that's a privilege that we have right we've accrued that through our training through our diligence we have a privilege in terms of influence and i think that's something we can use for good so I'm really curious, can we engage conversations about climate even with our patients or can we make connections between their personal healing journey and a planetary healing journey? I think to me, that's very exciting about being a practitioner and thinking like, what does that look like? I'm playing with it, but I can't say I've really like 
mastered that. Is it something that you've used in your clinic? Are there experiences that you've had with patients where they're working through something and, and it very much resonates with climate and what's happening there and that that you've been able to draw that connection or maybe they've been able to draw that connection in a way that's been beneficial to their healing. Can you give us an example? So here in California, one of the most obvious effects of the climate crisis is around our air quality. And that the damn state's on fire. Exactly. <laughs> so we have air quality from pollution, but then the damn state's on fire, right? So we have a totally imbalanced ecosystem. And it's affecting our lives. I mean, in 2020, fall 2020, we woke up and the sky was red all day long. You could barely see the sun. I remember the pictures. It was like Armageddon. It was so freaky. It was really, I felt a sense of sort of a deep panic. And I, I think most people who were out and about that day felt that. It was just like, it's so, it just felt so wrong. If you've been around an eclipse, right? It's really cool, <laughs> but you know it's an eclipse. But it was like that light, that eerie light, and then with the red tone all day, it was so unsettling on a very deep level. So we have real issues with air quality. So many activities that my son plays ultimate frisbee, so many games were canceled. When the air quality goes over 100, when the index goes over 100, they cancel the games. It's dangerous, right? So we've, it's really impacted our life. I see clients with more lung problems. Of course. Right. I've got a client who it's sort of long-term spleen chi deficiency, liver overacting on spleen type, type of patterns, but who got COVID and then long COVID and with all this exposure to air pollution now has asthma. And I'm like, oof, I don't think you would have gotten asthma. I mean, I think there's a perfect storm. I see the COVID as a symptom of the climate crisis, right? The climate crisis really the root of it. And COVID is the branch. It's a branch that's obviously profoundly affecting our lives. But with this person, and I see just the impact of our poor air quality on clients. And I do make that connection and I talk about it with them. You know, I talk about filtering their air, but I also try to engage that of like, what can we do collectively about this issue? Mm -hmm. What kind of response do you get? It's not unlike humans in general. <laughs> Being as we're humans, after all. It's so easy to be overwhelmed. Mm. It's so, the scope is really hard to grok of like, how can what I do impact the whole planet? So the scope is difficult. And that's, I've been coming to, and so also I've been teaching about this. So I teach our local acupuncture college here in Berkeley, the Acupuncture and Integrative Medicine College. And I've been teaching more and more climate science in our master's program. And you know, and I've tried to, I'm finding different ways to teach about it, but the most common response is overwhelm. The more that people learn about it, the more they get overwhelmed. Research shows oftentimes when people learn about climate, they're overwhelmed and then they go shopping. Mm. Maybe they go shopping for green products, but still, because we're so conditioned as consumers, we respond by going shopping. And that's not, we're not going to be able to shop our way out of this problem. Well, when I hear you say we go shopping, what I hear is, okay, I, I'm going to distract myself. Yeah. Shopping is one way of distracting ourselves. You could easily get on social media. I mean, whatever your favorite distraction right. method is, right. it's easy to fall into that rather than consider, oh my God, the world is ending and it's my fault. It's pretty tough to really take that in. So let's talk about scope here because 
we were talking earlier in the conversation, we have this fantastic technologies these days that allows us to extend our perceptions beyond what the usual human senses have. And so our sense of scope is like way bigger than it was even 100 years ago. And here we are as these individual humans, we know that our influence is like really, really local, like small. Of course, there's the butterfly effect, but that stuff is like nonlinear. That's outside of our perception. Yeah. Our perception as humans is that I've got a limited space of influence. It's a question I've got. How do you jibe that with, oh my God, the world is ending and it's kind of my fault. How can we find that middle ground of I'm doing what I'm capable of doing as one human and like, let's call it enough. And I think that's the technology and our conductivity gives us the ability to multiply our actions, right? So I can wake up. So one practice I've been doing, I have an app. You know, technology is part of the problem, but it can be part of the solution, right? So I have an app called Climate Action Now. And I basically, I wake up every morning while I'm drinking my coffee and I take climate actions, which could be tweeting, sending emails to politicians and legislators, trying to influence celebrities. It, the app kind of packages it, but it's connecting all these climate organizations and kind of filtering it through the app to make it really easy to do it. So it's one way to do it. So my small actions, but then they're magnified because I share them. I invite my friends to do them. I know I have friends who are really concerned about the ocean, for example. So when one comes up that's related to the ocean, I'll send it to that friend. So the ability to kind of magnify our actions through our connectivity is also unprecedented, right? And so, and teens know about it, right? They all, everyone's thinking about going viral, TikTok, all that. We don't even know what they're doing, right? It's, <laughs> but that there is this opportunity to multiply our actions and communicate. Can we take our time that might be spent on the garbage side of mm. the internet? <laughs> can we use, can we shift some of that into this activism space where we're reaching out about climate concerns? Maybe we take on something that's very close to our own, our own hearts. Maybe it's each of us is, has a motivation connected to some aspect of the natural world, maybe that's even closer to us. Do we work in that space, but also share, invite others? And I'd love to see us as acupuncturists. And we don't connect on professional levels together enough, right? We have a lot of professional associations that are very atomized. We have conferences, which aren't really happening right now, but could we inhabit that space where we connect with other practitioners and share things? I think that's a big part of it. It's like leveling, you know, yes, there's our individual actions, but how we communicate and encourage others. Do we create social contagion? Do we inspire others to take these actions? Do we, do we build a collective response in that way? Well, you just use a really interesting word, social contagion. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's like, okay, we've got a virus. You can use viruses yeah. to be helpful. Right? I think they're using viruses to cure cancer or something like that these days, right. right? I mean, there's ways that viruses can be useful. Of course, there's vi ways viruses can be very not useful. Yeah. So social contagion, I hear that and I get it. It's like, okay, can we do something that like sparks consciousness? Mm -hmm. Can we do something that sparks a movement? Can we do something that, that brings people together in a collective way that has an impact? But is it a but or an and? 
I'm going to say it's an and. And, as with any technology, if it goes off the rails and goes the other way, it's a little bit dangerous. We're playing, we're literally playing with fire. Yeah. Of course, we humans have been playing with fire for a long time. And the world is burning. I mean. <laughs> well, you know, it's just saying. I have springtime in my house right now because I have yeah. fire going in my house in a controlled, safe fashion. But every now and then someone's house burns down. Yeah. So as we're doing this, as we're coming together and sort of bringing our voices into alignment or, or amplifying them, mm-hmm. how do we avoid like burning shit down? Yeah, it's a good question. Right? Because collective voices is powerful and it's useful. But like, what's the line between helpful amplification and a mob? Right. What's the line? Yeah, I don't know. We're talking about the group I'm thinking about is Chinese medicine practitioners. Okay. Right? Chinese medicine practitioners. Right? And so we, perhaps we have a, a practice, right? A meditation practice. Perhaps we have a Qigong Tai Chi practice. Perhaps we have a practice of cultivation. And I think we teach this in the schools. We encourage this. We have maybe a stronger ethos of this as practitioners than other types of medical professionals. You know, when I interact with Western medical professionals, I don't see a strong culture of self-care or or much awareness about their own cultivation in that group, right? I think that for us… The idea of stepping forward more collectively and articulating some of this, I guess I, part of me just sort of trusts the ethos that we have of self-cultivation and, and balance that could be protective, could be protective against, yeah, like what you're saying, burning shit down. I mean, I do think there's some things about modern life that should be burned down, you know, mm. <laughs> metaphorically speaking. But essentially, we're there to encourage people to live in more balance and harmony, usually becoming more yin. Isn't this sort of essential advice for the average modern American to be a bit more respectful of yin? I hear that a lot. And I think I used to believe it. I did used to believe it. At this point, Mm -hmm. I don't. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Where have you come to? What I've come to is not that we need more yin. What we need is to focus on balance. Mm. What we need is to focus on that there are appropriate amounts. And it's easy to say, well, we need more yin. I did my more yin for the day, so check. (laughs) Good for me. Right. (laughs) I I meditated for five minutes. Yeah, I did my meditation. (laughs) Check. You know, I made the world better. I mean, maybe you did. Stillness usually helps. And especially over time. Yeah. It gives you a kind of momentum. I think it's one thing to say we need more yin. It's another thing to investigate what is balance and to be respectful of appropriate yang as well. I'm using the word appropriate, mm. appropriate yang. Yang often gets a bad rap these days. Yeah, yeah. Yang can be demonized, you know. It goes with toxic masculinity, right? <laughs> How come we never hear about toxic femininity? Well, phlegm is the mother of a hundred evils. There you go. So, again, and I don't have answers. Yeah. I used to think I had answers. One of the great things about getting older is I realized that my answers caused me new problems. So, I'm very (laughs) cautious. (laughs) 
Oh, it's so true. I mean, I study with Lonnie Jarrett regularly, and I'm a big admirer of, of him and his work. And he, the last class I was taking with him, he was talking about one of his teachers who said, you know, when he first got into Chinese medicine, he thought there was nothing that couldn't be cured. He could fix anything with Chinese medicine. And then after practicing 10, 20 years, he came to the conclusion that there's nothing that can be cured, right? <laughs> As you say, right? Yes, you can kick the can down the road, but you know, eventually yin and yang are going to separate. Yang is going back up to the heavens. Yin is going down to earth, and we can't really change that. We can't change that. Well, we can't change that we die, and we can't change that there are the cycles of birth and death. Yeah. And this is one of the beauties of Chinese medicine that I think is wonderful and worth remembering because we talk about Tian Ren Di, right? Heaven, person, earth. So we in this life that we have at this moment, this consciousness that inhabits this physical reality, have an opportunity to make some choices about how we work with that unformed potential of heaven and that frankly, at times, really oppressive aspect of earth because it's formed. And when it's formed, it just doesn't change much. You can change it a bit, but you're kind of trapped in it. So we live with these polarities and it's our job as people to investigate that, explore mm -hmm. it, maybe be playful with it. Mm -hmm. You know, as the kid says, if you got advanced, you know, if you got privilege, like, use it well. Like, don't squander it. If you got something, don't squander it. Yeah. And so we can get really nihilistic about it. Well, it's all going to separate anyway. What the hell? You know, let's have another beer. <laughs> or we can, like, investigate. Wow, look where this beer came from. It came from, like, thousands of different interactions, none of which had to do with me, but I get to enjoy it. Lucky me. And so that's why I'm very curious these days about investigating what balance is, knowing what proper yang is, knowing what proper yin is, like what's called for, like in our treatments with our patients. Mm -hmm. What do they need at this moment? Mm -hmm. And more importantly, how do I figure that out? Am I listening well enough? Am I listening properly to find out what they're asking for that maybe they don't even know they're asking for? Yeah, where the rubber hits the road for us, right? That's what we're doing. Mm. And the beauty of like, we're treating how the client's presenting right now, mm -hmm. right? We're balancing, we're supporting balancing them right now. And we're not even doing it, are we? We're facilitating it, we're witnessing it, right? But I do think that in our moment right now, when it's becoming so obvious how out of balance the planetary system is. I think that there is work for us in articulating that connection with the patient, somehow articulating, can we bring into the treatment room this connection of what's going on there, the personal imbalance with the larger, the planetary system imbalance. I think to me, that's kind of exciting where we're like, it's not just about your own individual healing, what we're doing here, even in the treatment room. It's not just this one patient. So I'm curious about a boundary here. This is tender stuff. I, I struggle with this all the time. I used to give people lots of advice. Mm. And then I realized at one point, don't give advice if it hasn't been asked for. 
<laughs> right. That's never helpful. It doesn't work. It doesn't yeah. work. It'll make you tired and your patients will find you annoying. So Yeah. So don't give advice for it's not asked. Michael Max, shut the hell up. Are they even asking for help with this? It's a question I often ask myself. I see something that would be helpful for you. You know, not drinking those three diet sodas would probably be helpful for you. But unless they are really asking for my opinion, yeah. I tend not to say it these days. But that's just me. And so the question that comes up for me, because I'm with you, I would love to see people heal and heal in a way that is not just helpful for them, but in a way that connects them to their family, their community, the world. Mm. I think that's where healing comes from. I mean, it's not where curing comes from, but it's where healing comes from. That's for sure. Now, yes. and this is a question I ask myself all the time. I've got some ideas about what might make the world better. Am I pushing it on my patients or am I able to be still enough that when people recognize something, I can go, mm, yeah, I see that too. How do you work with that? What do you think about that? I love it. I think that, you know, and it goes to our own development, our own integrity, right? We, mm. Chinese medicine is encouraging us to become a sage in the sense of someone who's always growing, learning, who's cultivating, who's continually on a path of self-cultivation. So we as practitioners, right, we are on that journey ourselves. And I think just by bringing that to the treatment room, right, and not necessarily telling our clients verbally that that's what we're doing, but by bringing that awareness, we influence them. Why do they come to see us? They want to spend time with us. Maybe it's, you know, we're good listeners or <laughs> I hope it's more, you know, and that's important. But it's not only that. They want to spend time with us. We are a little more in balance, or we should be. If we're not, then we it is exhausting, right? You know, when you go to treat patients and you're feeling really off kilter by the end of the day, it's like you feel more unbalanced, or unless you're able to leverage that to making that interaction benefit you and them. So I think they come to us. Because we are working on always being in a state of balance or walking this line. And they're inspired by that. That's why they're coming. Yes, we're offering them healing, but we're also offering kind of a vision of personal evolution. And can we do things, actions? So regarding climate, are we using, and I'm, I'm so happy, and I saw that you have um, a relationship with AccuFast, who I love. I'm using AccuFast needles, and I just love, one, reducing the weights. Two, I've just been like, no more guide tubes. And I switched to pretty much all freehand insertion, and I'm like, actually, I like this so much better. And think of all the plastic I'm not using now. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. 
These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of chi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. Oh, and those little tabs, those little tabs drive me crazy. Those little tabs go everywhere. Hey, it's so nice to be really minimize the amount of junk. I'm also telling my patients, hey, I'm using these new greener needles that have less waste. Just one simple thing, but it's an example of like, okay, so I'm trying to have ever increasing integrity in the way I practice and modeling that for patients. I think that's part of how we do it. Also cueing the patient of like, okay, so now, like you said, they may ask, did you put anything in those needles? They think like, are you giving me drugs in those needles? Because I feel so good, right? So it's like, no, you're cueing them. This is you more in balance. What you're feeling is you more in balance. And you can, over time, come to a place where you're more in balance more often. And usually they have to do some homework to do that, right? It's frustrating the patient. Stop with the diet soda. Right? Yeah. Oh, I have a patient right now. He's like, ah. Oh. I'm like, what do you want out of today's treatment? He's like, euphoria. I'm like, mm. you know, that could happen, but the whole point is not necessarily to produce euphoria. Well, this is. And if you want euphoria, you know, it's about how you live. It's not just coming to get a weekly treatment. Well, this is the essence of addiction. I've got this great feeling and I want to get that again. Right? If you're chasing pleasure, that's going to take you down one path. If you're chasing meaning, it's going to take you down a very, very different path. And you used the phrase ever-increasing integrity. That rings a bell for me. Right? We aspire to that. I, mean, I think we aspire to that in our medicine, or I hope, I hope we do as practitioners of Chinese medicine. And so, and for me in this moment, integrity integrity is also just being, recognizing the impresno clothes, Yes, the climate system is completely out of balance and we have to make a massive transformation. Being able to hold that, and it is overwhelming, but being able to hold that and, and see how does that affect my choices? How do I live with in integrity to that? And then when we have teenagers in our lives, right? What's the living in integrity respecting what they're facing in their lifetimes? What are we doing now that supports them having a livable planet. That's what keeps me coming back to this fight. And it's not just them. I mean, it's you and I too. We're past our pull date anyway. You know, we're not- We're past our pull date. <laughs> <laughs> but I prefer to retire in a livable planet. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. forward to that. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. No, me too. <laughs> and that, that sense of care and concern for- our children is, I mean, I think that's something that most human beings, unless they're, they've got very serious mental health issues, we all share. I mean, regardless of political stripe, regardless of language, regardless of culture, we care about our children. 
we care about our children. And to me, that's one of the most motivating things. In fact, in the, in the, in the climate space in the, that I've been entering and the climate work I've been doing, what I, the message I keep coming back to is I'm a mom. I'm a mom and I'm fighting for a livable future for my, my child and his generation. And that's a message I keep including in, in, you know, in this work, because to me, that is probably one of the most galvanizing things. You know, and I think even for people who don't have children themselves, they can, they can get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to have a human heart and not be able to get that. Yeah. Especially, you know, when, when people have an experience of acupuncture and, and being more in balance and sort of calming the demands of the ego, they can connect to that of like, okay, I want to live in such a way. I feel like this more often. <laughs> Yeah, I want to feel like live, this more often. Yes. <laughs> but I want to live in a way that will help make the world be, you know, will protect the livability of the planet. I mean, that's that's the state we're at, and that's what's so hard to take in. Have you gotten a chance to see Go Don't Look Up? I did, yes. By the way? Yeah. So there's just a lot of interest there, but part of it is just like, how do we even talk about this and how easily people get overwhelmed and turned off by messaging around the crisis? I think that's a challenge, you know? Well, it is. And I look at this just in my relationships, mm. right? I mean, all you got to do is like, look at your marriage if you got one or whatever relationship you're in. Maybe you've got a message for your partner. You don't quite know how to get it to them. And you get it to them in some really overwhelming ways or it comes out sideways and yeah. goes the other way as well. How do we stay present with overwhelm? How do we look at the world and go, oh my God, there's so much here and it's completely overwhelming my nervous system. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not helpful. If you're in a state of fight and flight, you're not going to be able to make good choices that might be helpful going forward. Yeah. Right? If we're constantly working out of anger and outrage, it's hard to build anything sustainable with love. Yeah. But we know from Chinese medicine, right? Anger moves chi up and out. Anger is encouraging us to action. Unless it's burning our house down. Absolutely, right? <laughs> it's dangerous, volatile, it's the most yang, right? Yes, yes. Very, very powerful fuel. Use with caution. Use with caution. And, and, but then the grief, I think climate grief, it's, it's something that we don't even want to acknowledge, but I think it's affecting everyone. I mean, if you look at do a little research on climate angst and how it, there's different terms for it, but people are really affected and young people. And again, our teenagers, our Gen Z, they're very affected by it. There are people in that age group and millennials are, are choosing not to have children because of climate, climate grief, climate angst, right? Just as one thing. So the grief is so interesting. I think that's another thing that we can make space for and like, articulate and call out that we are feeling this. We, I feel it just with like the loss. How many days have I lost of livable air and breathable air in California already? How many more days will I lose? At what point does California become un uninhabitable because we can't breathe the air? There's a grief, current grief and a future grief. Mm -hmm. Aren't you glad you don't live in Beijing? Right? I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. It's already, how does it affect people's lives and health? It's phenomenal even to ponder that. And But 
there are days in California that we're rivaling, but I know they live in, in Beijing and in many places in China, they live it all the time. So when you were a teenager or young adult, right, late high school, early college, let's frame it there, were you optimistic about the world or pessimistic? I've just like been steeped my whole life in like leaning to optimism. Mm. My whole family culture and value was positive thinking, optimism. So I've always, <laughs> I've been, I've been lucky and it's been, it's been enjoyable. Growing up though, I came of age during the AIDS crisis. Mm -hmm. That affected me and that was, pandemic is not over. That affected me. And I, as a teenager and young adult, I thought a lot about public health. I thought a lot, it affected me. So I was definitely positive about the world, but also very aware of things that were really hard. That And it transformed medicine. It transformed the way we have sex. It transformed society, right? And now we have the pandemic. That's another massive transformation. Well, they do tend to roll through on a regular basis. Right. <laughs> they stir the human pot. You know, 100 years ago, Spanish flu. Now it's endemic. Yeah. All right. Um, also, I mean, there's a lot to say about COVID-19, but in terms of climate, I mean, it's shown us we can massively change the way we live because of health. Mm. We can massively change the way we live to protect health. And that shows that regarding climate, we can make big changes in the way we live with health as a motivator. And I think that's essentially where we're at with the climate crisis is Every major public health entity around the world, right? The WHO, the AMA, the Lancet, like every health related, pretty much in Western medicine is, is saying the climate crisis is the number one public health threat of our times. So we know that's the case. They're starting to teach about it in medical school so much more. And most med students want to learn about it. The curriculum's lagging. It's another thing I think in our, and I'm trying to do our medicine, we need to be teaching about it within the curriculum. But we know that we can change dramatically in the way we live to protect health. So to, that's another cause for optimism for me. If Okay, we're learning from this experience and some of the ways we've changed will continue, like Zoom or these platforms, right? Yeah. Virtual meetings. That will continue and that's a great thing and that's good for climate. Sure, because we're not getting on airplanes and stuff. I can't wait till I can get on airplanes more, though. I have to tell you. <laughs> In all truthfulness. How about flying less? Can we, rather than not flying, I committed not to fly in 2020, and it turned out to be really easy to do. Yeah, because there were no damn airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> I did fly in 2021 once. I'm flying less. I'm definitely flying less. 2022, I may fly but I will fly less than I did before. So I really see that. It's unfortunate. It's such a high impact on an individual level. As an individual person, it's one of the most impactful things we can do. But I'm with you. I know. I love being able. It's amazing. It's miraculous. Well, and I think about, like, if I want to fly somewhere so that I can learn something that will help me to help people. I know. Like, okay, well, then get on the plane because... I'm leveraging that. Yeah. But what about flying somewhere because, you know what, I need two weeks off and I need to deeply recover. Because if I'm not well, then I can't help others. So which of those is the more virtuous airplane ride? It gets really complicated, doesn't it? It's complicated. 
Yes. Could we, could you find that deeply restorative place? Could you get to that deeply restorative place by another method of transportation? I want to go to very, very warm water and I don't want to take a week to get there. I hear you. I know. It's tough. I mean, I've been with, in terms of flying, like I've, I've gone to doing more camping. You know, I've taken some train rides, which were a lot of fun. It just takes more time. It has to do with the slow, right? It takes more time. Slow travel, slow medicine, slow food. It takes more time. Yeah, it's tricky. But maybe also, and you, and then I'm thinking about just our clients too. Maybe could we live in a way that makes us not feel like we need to get away to restore ourselves? Like, what is it about your own life that makes you feel like, okay, I've got to escape it. And the only way I can unplug is by going far away from it. What does that look like? Is there a way that is there an adjustment you can make so there's not this, that takes away that feeling? Well, it's a good question. I mean, I love to travel and I like to see things that are really different. Yeah. But, you know, maybe I could just go to a different part of town that I never go to. Right. And see something really different. I guess there's that possibility as well. I haven't thought about that. And in your region, in your, in your region, as in California, I can go... I can eat food, and like I would say I have a different situation, but I can eat food from anywhere in the world within an hour of where I live, like cooked by the people from that place. Yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> I live in the Midwest. That's pretty lucky. I mean, I know you don't have that. In <laughs> well, actually, we've got some amazing restaurants. Yeah. We've got some really fantastic ethnic food. Yeah. I mean, it's actually pretty nice. In terms of getting access to many of the things that you would have there in California, we don't have the same landscape yeah. that you guys have there. I mean, we don't have the ocean. I mean, oceans are just their own thing. Mm, yeah. But we have woodlands and streams. And it's just a different, it's a different ecosystem. I think different people are sort of attuned to different ecosystems as well. Some people are mountain people. Some people are ocean people. Some people like deserts. Some people can't stand a desert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so I, I think you're right that, that, you know, within our own scope, what can we do? What can we find that's restorative? Right. And also that this thing of like, yeah, how we, how we live on a daily basis. Can we find that restoration? And this does go to the side of being you now just cultivating more yin. Can we find that restorative? activity or lack of activity so it's not just yes, exactly restorative lack of activity that's it restorative activity no 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 no, no. <laughs> but there are restorative activities like i've in this time of the pandemic most of us are have become more yin in some ways right we've connected virtually with people we've we've stayed home more we haven't traveled so we've become more yin in some ways and we've lived in a more yin way i know for me i've taken up pleasurable hobbies that I'd kind of lost touch with just in that having more space. So I've, I've taken up uh, something I used to love to do when I was in middle school, which is spinning, spinning yarn. So I got a spinning wheel and I started spinning again. And it's so satisfying as a visceral, pleasurable, creative and restorative activity. Mm -hmm. And I'm carving out the time in my day where I'm like, I'm going to spin a little bit every day. It's doing something really wonderful. It's 
you know, just that, and connecting with something that's kinesthetic, that's not online. We spend so much time online. It's so easy to just keep being online. Amen to that. Do something kinesthetic. Yep. Yeah. And also in that space, it's been so thrilling because coming back to that, now I can really see it can be connected to sustainability. So I'm able to get wool from local farms that's raised regeneratively and really connect with the whole, there's a fiber. So you've heard of food shed, right? Eating food from your food shed. In other words, locally grown food. Well, there's a whole movement called fiber shed where we're thinking about getting fiber for textiles locally. And there's just like a whole other meaning in this that wasn't there when I was, or a whole discourse, a whole meaning, a whole connection. And even the idea of like, oh, what is regenerative agriculture? So this is part of where we need to go is like, yes, of course, we've, we've transitioned to agriculture, right? There's no going back. No, no, I do not want to live on a farm. No, no. <laughs> right. And like, no. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to, Michael, but some people have to farm or we won't have any food. I but- agree. I do not want to be one of them. <laughs> but those people who are farming can farm in a regenerative way that's actually sequestering carbon, right? That is part of the solution instead of part of the problem. That's exciting. It's one of the many solutions. Keeping oil on the ground is like a key one, but also just changing the way we farm, the way we produce food. Well, and how do we produce energy in a way? This is such a big one. Yeah. How do we produce energy in a way that allows us to sustain springtime in our homes? I don't want to live without that. I'm old enough that I remember summers without air conditioners. Not fun, right? Yeah. (laughs) Winter without heat, not fun. Yeah. How do we meet our energy demands? In, in sustainable ways. That's, in some ways, I envy the kids these days. I mean, they, yes, there's giant problems. Yeah. But you know what's great about giant problems? Human beings look at it and go, I can solve that. Here's an opportunity to make a difference. Yeah. I can fix that. I can build something. I can invent something. Yeah, it's so exciting. And you, I'm seeing that. I'm super proud of my son is going to be an environmental science major. Mm, he's like drawn, you know, and I didn't push him into it. <laughs> but I'm super thrilled because he's drawn to this conversations and this work is I think he really sees that's a huge priority right now. And there's a lot of excitement in that space of, you know, what are the solutions? So what are the solutions? Yeah, that we don't have yet because they haven't been invented. But the potential for them like the circumstances and conditions are ripe for them being invented. They are. And there's so many solutions that we already have. We don't have to sort of wait for solutions. We can implement solutions that are already there and then also encourage the development of war, but more. So wind and solar, in terms of energy, wind and solar, they're already so huge. They're already taking off so much in a short span of time. We have that. And yes, we will we'll need more energy solutions, but there are plenty of sustainable solutions out there already. And can we ch- reduce our need for so much energy, right? Can we individually demand less energy? But I know, you're right. No one wants to go back to being complete. Like we need that protection. We need that protection of the, yeah, the eternal spring. Or mm. <laughs> We do. We're not going back on that. But I think there are ways we can get there a lot more sustainably that are right available. One group that I really admire that is totally focused on climate solutions called Project Drawdown. 
and they do, they're doing all the science on, on what the solutions are. And the idea of drawing, draw down is drawing down the carbon that's in the atmosphere or the, the carbon dioxide and the greenhouse, ga greenhouse gases that are in the atmosphere. So an example of a drawdown technology is no-till agriculture. So if you don't disturb the soil so much, the soil sequesters carbon and it's able to draw it down or retain it in the soil. So it's not just in plants, but it's in the soil itself. Of course, the, a tree is the ultimate drawdown technology, nature's drawdown technology. But And so tree planting, and that's one thing I do see people in our field focusing on. So the Chinese Medicine Forestry Trust is one mm -hmm. group of acupuncturists that are contributing to reforestation. So that's huge. And I, Acufest is doing that too, right? They plant trees. Acufest is doing that too. Yeah. yeah, they plant trees. You buy needles, they plant trees. The restorative aspect, and this brings us back to our practices in a way. Mm. I think it deeply brings us back to our practices because our, I mean, I don't know about your practice, but I know my practice is about helping to restore mm. more balance function. And when people have that, they make better choices for themselves because they have more opportunity. They can see opportunity and they have more strength. Yeah. And so that, that sense of restoration really rings true for me. Yeah, that's a beautiful, I think it, it implies like, yeah, that's a part of the essence of healing, right? We're going to, we, when we're young and we're young and full of chi and yang, right? And as we get older, we have less, we want to feel a bit of restoration of that. We can't go back, right? We can't go back completely, but we arise from the treatment table restored, reconnected, our yin and yang more in balance and harmonized. So we can offer that experience, but then can we also connect that to, yeah, what needs to happen on a larger scale, whether it's implicit or explicit? I think there's something. And then can we connect with others? So we, we talk about and share this idea. Can we connect with other practitioners? Can we level up? Can we like work towards this idea of yeah the social contagion a positive social contagion rather than spreading the virus right we're spreading the virus of really acknowledging not not being in denial about the climate crisis beginning to use a climate lens to look at everything we do can that influence all our choices in some way yeah and what are the implications of that well it's a good question to hold and we may have to come back at some point and <laughs> talk about it more. We may well, not answer that right now. Okay. Well, it, <laughs> I think some of the best questions in life are the ones that you hold as a question mm. more than grasp at an answer. Absolutely, right? And but, but and then keep coming back to that. So maybe you know, each day is like how do I act in integrity with the knowledge I have? So I if I can maintain a sense of the knowledge of the state of the planet right now. And then how do I act that is in accordance with that knowledge? And we act, could ask that each day. And it made the answer maybe totally different each day. But I think that's exciting. But it comes back to something you said earlier in this conversation, ever-increasing integrity. Mm. That's my takeaway from this today. Thank you for that. Powerful. Oh, I'm so glad. I've so enjoyed our time together. Yeah, me too. Anything else? that you'd like to share with our listeners before we say goodbye for today? I hope anyone who's been listening today will, will come away from this and get involved. Look for a group 
that is doing this work that resonates with you. I hope everyone will find a way to connect with others around it. So it's not just their individual actions, but how can you connect with others? That's my my wish and encouragement. And there's so many ways to plug in around this, right? There's so many options, but that I think just that we need to start doing that and, and, and moving from just our own individual actions to taking collective actions and connecting with others who are who are engaged in this work. All right. Well, thank you so much for the time today. This has been a delight. I agree. Thank you so much. We used to burn whale oil for light at night. I suspect the whales were glad when coal-fired generators sent electricity to light bulbs. But then there were the issues with burning coal. So the idea of nuclear power, it seemed like a good idea, but we are now well aware of the long-term problems that that brings. Solar and wind are great, but they also rely on some pretty high-tech materials. Those have their own issues. One thing for sure, there is no stepping out of the web of life and no escape from the consequences of our choices and our actions. I wonder how we will solve the issues with climate change. Certainly, this is an area that is asking for attention and creativity. And we can't go back to some golden day because there was no golden day. Now, if we could just find a way to pull the carbon out of the air and turn it into fuel so we could use it again, hmm, that might be the perpetual motion machine that would get us out of this jam. I do hope that there is a college student somewhere reading the modern day equivalent of the limits to growth and dedicating him or herself to finding a solution. There's a lot of good work that can be done yet in this world. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community. Mm-hmm.